Welcome to the family on the Tom Bernard Podcast with Hackmaster Robert Basham, MD. Alex Bernard Rasmussen. And Andy Bernard. We have a special two for one today because Andy's got an appointment, so we're going to have Timmy Lammers and Kristen Burt on together. Cage match. Do they know they're going to be on together? I hope so. Who would have told them? Probably Cassie. Yeah. Good plan. All right, we'll be right back with those two unyucks right after this. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean. Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Tommy, do you guys read a lot of poetry on the queue? You mean like, there once was a man from Nantucket? No, more like T.S. Eliot. April is the cruelest month, breeding lilacs out of the dead land, mixing memory and desire, stirring dull roots with spring rain. Dougie, what's wrong? You a little sad? No, other than the weather, nothing's wrong. In fact, in the Walzer world, Coon Rapids and Burnsville finished number one and two in the state of Minnesota. J.Lo finally beat Dan Resch. Wow, that's pretty cool. Is it okay if I take all the credit? Well, I'd expect nothing less. Actually, we've got great inventory of some great vehicles, and these short-term leases are perfect for people who can't get the brands that they want. You told me about those. You can drive a new Nissan for as little as 18 months, and by then the chips will be aplenty. That's it exactly. We hope by then you'll be a Walzer Nissan convert. For great deals from the Minnesota sales leaders, go to Burnsville or Coon Rapids Nissan. Hey, this is Brian Zepp. Summer is finally here, and if you're like me, you've got some serious riding planned. Make sure you and your motorcycle are good to go with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, Metric Cruiser, or Sport Bike, you'll find what you need at Dennis Kirk. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets, too. Order before 8 p.m., and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Follow Zepp's lead and head to DennisKirk.com. They ship today. Did Andy get my mic up in time for for people to hear me say, yeah, well, I hate those people. Well, I don't think anybody would be surprised. Are you talking about anyone? No, that's very true. We, basically, and just let me know, are they going to come on together? They they are on together. Oh, my God. I'm just going to sit back. All I'm going to do is sit back and learn. That's what I'm going to do. This is Hanyak number one or two. How do you want to go on? What what order, uh, Kristen? Go right ahead. <laughs> I'll jump off of you, no problem. Go ahead. Weekend at the box office. You have to talk about it. The oh. box office. My God, yes. I mean, 
it's interesting how the publications, the you know, the trade magazines were or online publications, excuse me, were were lowballing the weekend estimate for Top Top Gun Maverick. They were thinking, oh, 90 million, 100 million. Well, it was 156 million. Now, Whoa. granted, it's a four-day weekend, but still, I think this this really overperformed. Uh, expectations. I didn't have any doubt going into the weekend that it was going to be huge. I'm sure you felt the same way, Kristen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the word of mouth, you know, all the journalists, we've seen it before ahead of time. This was a well-done script, and I think that it made the 40 years we waited for this worth the wait because you, you know that Top Gun's going to deliver great stunts. You know what Tom Cruise is going to deliver. He's always kind of the, the same sort of character. But without a really good script, is there a point to go and see it other than this nostalgia factor? Probably not. And I think it probably drew in younger audiences than they expected, even though most of the audience was over 40. Yeah. And first of all, I should say uh, it's nice to meet you um, over the uh, what, what, what is what is it that we talk on, uh, Andy? Obviously, we always follow. I, I, I'm in front of you most days. Mm -hmm. So nice to. Nice to talk with you. So, yeah, I mean, I'm thrilled about the success of it and uh, the success of a film that is not a superhero film, uh, because, again, um, if we're only relying on superhero movies to, to really keep the box office going, I think we're in big trouble. That way, you know, we're talking about a film coming out once every three, four months. So you got three big events a year, uh, you know, with the release of Marvel films or DC films and then. The rest of the time, there's nothing. Well, this proves again that they took on a risk by putting out a sequel 40 years after the original, and then to have that sequel be successful. I mean, that's that's great news for the box office and for the industry, as far as I'm concerned. And the biggest career opening for Tom Cruise, which I'm sure at 59 years old, he is thrilled to have that record. <laughs> yeah, that's the interesting thing. Tom Cruise has never had a movie that opened over a hundred million dollars. Really? I mean, can you believe that? Huh. And here my phone goes again. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Why don't you pay your so bills? Yeah, never. It is uh -oh. never happened. Oh, oh. Tim's and, uh, internet's breaking. Not only did it happen. It <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to get rid of that phone. That line, line, line. But yeah, not only did it happen, it happened. Uh, gonna, uh, Tim, you sound gonna, like a robot. Yeah, Tim, your internet. Kirsten, is your internet messed up too, or is it us? Can you or? hear me okay? No, yeah, yeah it's fine. Tim. It's on Tim's end. Timmy, you have to sign. You drop off and sign in again, you pill. <laughs> yeah, I, I will. Oh, okay. there we go. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You might be okay uh, now. Try it again. No, you were hearing the phone in the background. That was the deal. No, you sounded like a robot. I think it was messing up the oh, um, yeah. the automatic noise cancellation. Oh, yeah, but Okay, oh, yeah, okay. so we're fine. Okay. Uh, we're fine except for the fact I have to put up with you two together for an hour. That's mm -hmm. not going to be easy, you know. <laughs> now, Tom, I want you to read aloud a headline, and this is not from The Onion. This is not from the Babylon Bee. I sent a, a link to, to uh, Andy. You have to read this out loud. This can't be true, but it is. Are you sending it's it from to a reputable we'll to uh, source, the Wall Street Journal. Or well, Hotmail or well, Gmail? In the Whatever interim. Uh, Gmail. In the interim, uh, you, you said, uh, Tim, you said that most of the audience was over 40. Yeah, Kristen said that. Yeah. Oh, Kristen. I said that, yes. But that's, 
Mm. Is that also, telling in some way that uh, theaters are going to rely on that? The people, just like younger younger people who don't watch TV, they're not going to the theaters either. Well, this movie was nostalgia bait for people who grew up in the '90s, though. And I also want to add that it's actually been the younger audiences that have been returning to the movies, and people, I'd say, huh. 45 to 50, have not been going back to the movies. So this was actually a good sign, I think, for theater owners that with the right movie that people will come and buy a ticket. Right. I mean, this movie was basically... Well, wait, when did the first Top Gun come out? It was 80-something? 86, yeah, because there was an NES game. So, yeah, it would have had to have been the 80s. So, yeah, it would, it's it's four people who are 40 and up, basically. <clears throat> All the right, problem ready? is, and, and, and some trades have been noting this, that, okay, now are other... Films from the 80s going to be encouraged to yes, they try will. the same thing. Guaranteed. <laughs> you know, and, and, and obviously the first one that flops, everybody's going to say, oh, that's a bad idea. Then we're going to stop seeing that sort of thing. I just think this is, a, this is an outlier. I mean, Tom Cruise just has that appeal. I, I'm, I, I'm not saying, I didn't say prior to seeing the film that it was a sure thing. I think after previewing the film, I was fairly confident that Everybody is going to love this. There were people. I talked to people yesterday about the because the, I was out and about with Memorial Day, and so many people asked me about it. And I said, you know what? This was one movie I thought that I could never overhype this. It's that great, isn't it, Kristen? It is honestly, and I think Tom Cruise is one of those like last great old movie stars that we don't see anymore. I mean, he has to like show up on the red carpet in the, the helicopter. He does press and, you know, he stayed away from the controversial Church of Scientology talk this time around. Like he did everything he was supposed to in promoting it. He showed up in the UK, did his whole, you know, uh, Royal uh, Platinum Jubilee presentation. I mean, they really went all out for this movie, rolled out the red carpet. And I think that really had an effect because it's, it's been two years. The only thing we've really been hearing about Tom Cruise has been all of the backlog with Mission Impossible 2 and the shutdowns and everything else. He needed this to go perfectly, and it did. It did, and and the interesting thing from here will be, how will the box office hold up now? I know that there's really nothing huge on the schedule. Um, you know, you got Lightyear coming up in a couple weeks. You Jurassic got Jurassic Park's World. Jurassic, yeah, the Jurassic Park it's one might weeks, give I it think, a. Right? It'll have another clear week at the box office. But if this thing has legs, and this is sort of movie that I want to see again, which is really rare. I think a lot of people will want to see this again. Um, it, it, it certainly will be one of the top three box office hits of the summer, if not the top one. I mean, I just, I just think it's that great of a movie. The only movie I ever went back to see was Eraserhead. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, what are you guys laughing about? I'm sincere. Classic. There's, there's actually an uh, internet meme about Eraserhead. Is there really? Some, something weird that the, the, who was, it was David Lynch, right? David Lynch, yeah. yeah some Lynch. guy was interviewing David Lynch, and uh, David Lynch says, I think Eraserhead is the most spiritual film I've ever made. <laughs> And the interviewer says, elaborate on that. And he says, no. <laughs> See, I love that. And that is There's actually another how the conversation weird went, movie by the way. to compete against Top Gun this coming weekend called Crimes of the Future, and that's mm. by David Cronenberg. Oh, I'm wondering yeah. if you had seen that movie, Kristen, or what you've read about it, because I understand it's really, really graphic. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, and I'm so curious to the reaction, um, what people are going to think. Yeah, it's supposed to be revolting at, at times. 
um, in terms of, I guess it, it probably is considered a horror film, but you know, audiences that can wherever have been walking out. <laughs> it's one of those deals. So, but you know, you when I when you, th you brought up David Lynch, I'm thinking, you know, if there's somebody on the same level as him, it's David Cronenberg. What was the name so, of the movie? But but that's your only movie. That's your only real big competition this week. So Top Gun is just gonna, and, and obviously studios knew this that's why they just pretty much left this weekend wide open for another top gun right. trouncing right but again jurassic world coming up that'll be in competition light year and then the uh, week after that you'll have elvis so hey, man. that that'll be interesting too did you see elvis yet uh Kristen? because i have not but again people are thinking the 40 and over audience the nostalgia audience will be the audience for this. Yeah. It's not going to pull in Top Gun numbers, but certainly you think something's going to think it's going to benefit in some sort of way. I would think so because obviously there is interest in Elvis's history and life. There's a huge fan base there. We we get that. I know it got mixed reviews, you know, coming out of Cannes Film Festival, which which will be kind of interesting. And I heard Austin Butler does an amazing job as Elvis. But I'm hearing the surrounding story isn't as isn't as strong as it could be, which I'm curious to see. And I, I think the other thing is too, and I notice this on the other end because I do a lot of trending entertainment articles. There is a unique growing interest in his uh, granddaughter Riley Keough, of course, mm -hmm. who also had her own success at Cannes. And I'm wondering if some of that will kind of cross over to people wanting to know more about her grandfather. Well, hopefully, I mean, it, you know, you have a situation where that will give pe uh, the younger audiences, hopefully that will get them interested. The, the, the main negative thing that I've been hearing about the film is Tom Hanks's accent as Colonel Tom. Now, oh, as much as I've known about Colonel Tom and his importance in Elvis's career, I can't honestly say I've ever heard the guy talk. And then all of a sudden in the trailer, you get this really strange accent from Tom. It also like a Transylvanian weird, I don't know what it, you just expect this good old boy, Southern boy it. sort of deal. And it's not. Oh, well, Colonel so, Tom was Dutch. So there, there you go. It'd be a hybrid of like Dutch and a Southern accent combined. Ooh. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, he was, uh, he was born in the Netherlands and then uh, he moved to the U.S. when he was 17. So it makes sense. Yeah. So, huh. you know, when you have the negative stuff coming out uh, against really, I don't know, I would imagine in relation to the film, I mean, Austin Butler is going to be your top billed guy, but the, the box office draw obviously is going to be Tom Hanks or, you know, the name Elvis itself. I mean, you know, just again, people love his music and he's so iconic that maybe they're thinking that will bring people in. But the, the, the casting of Tom Hanks was not by mistake. I mean, they needed somebody big name in there, yeah. and they got him. And when you have the most negative notices coming out about him, ooh, that's not it's good. It's worrisome because you know that they also want to mount an award show campaign for this movie. It's Baz Luhrmann, of course. Mm -hmm. So I think the studio is probably a little hesitant now going, uh-oh, how is this going to be received? One of my I think – Baz is going to be a big guy to sell this movie. I, I, I don't know. If you, you probably have had an opportunity to talk with him before, Kristen. Mm -hmm. I, I did for Australia and actually Strictly Ballroom, which was his first film, so uh, was re-released on DVD. So it's, it's probably a good 10, 12, 15 years since I talked with him for that. 
but one of the most positive, inspiring guys. He's so full of energy. This guy can sell a movie. So hopefully they're going to lean heavily on him to sell it uh, because he is, well, Tom, he did The Great Gatsby, and I know you love that. Love that movie. Great movie. Yeah, he's a hell of a filmmaker. You know, my favorite thing when Elvis died in National Lampoon magazine, it was a wonderful magazine back in the day, there's Colonel Tom Parker sitting in a chair, and up on stage is a skeleton with an Elvis Presley wig on, and he's hanging there by by ropes. His legs and his arms are hanging there, and the, the caption read, you think you're going to die on me, you son of a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> There's still money to be made. God, it was terrible. It was funny. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. I mean, how does Tom Hanks, apart from the the accent, how does he come off as a character in this? If he's going to come off as a slime bag, it's kind of, you know, if he's a tough character to get behind, eh, that doesn't help it either. So... Who knows? But hopefully I'll see the movie soon. I really can't wait. I'm a fan of the King. I do remember where I was when I heard he died in 1977. So, yeah, he's obviously a big part of my early, early life. I was sitting next to my mother at about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. We were watching television, just toots and me, and it came on that he had died, and my mother burst into tears. I will never forget it. She started bawling like a little kid. She loved Elvis Presley. Yeah, that that's quite a yeah. It's one of those few things where you remember exactly where you were. I was yep. bicycling about three and a half miles from home, stopped to talk to a friend, and he told me about it. I remember exactly the spot where he did, and and it, well, it's just a, it's such such of a stark memory in my mind. Oh yeah, no question. I was negative nine years old, <laughs> and he was negative nine exactly. Do you want me to read your headline? Because this is one hell of a headline. You ready? It is. It is. From the Wall Street Journal business section. Top Gun Maverick loses Chinese investor due to pro-U.S. messaging. Yeah, that sounds about right, honestly. Well, it's pro. It's the U.S. military. They but why wanna... would you invest in it in the first place? Because duh. Exactly. Know, it's called. It's Top Gun. It's about the Air Force. Duh. I know. That doesn't make any sense. No, what do they want? Like I said, I thought this was an onion headline. Yeah. You've got to be kidding me. But yep. that shows you how tied in uh, oh, film God. productions are to, you know, how that they rely on the Chinese yep, dollar sure do. and, and the investors and the theaters. And correct me if I'm wrong, Kristen, this thing isn't playing in China, is it? As far as I know, it is not. And yeah, that's, yeah they're going to completely avoid that market. Yeah. And, and, and what's great is Dr. Strange didn't open there either. And that was all because of a, a 11 seconds in the movie where, uh, the uh, protagonist, America Chavez, she has two moms, and we see the two moms. Mm. And the Chinese said, "You need to cut. We need to cut that from the release over here." Oh, and Disney yeah. said, "No yep. freaking way." Yep. And good for them. And and maybe this is the beginning of you know an end to the, all of the BS because. Another thing with with Top Gun, it must have been like the first picture of Tom Cruise with that famous jacket that he wore in the original film. People noticed right away that there was a patch for Taiwan that was missing. And the thought swirling around all of that was the Chinese investors or whoever, you know, the fear of 
the reprisal by the Chinese box office or whatever was that you need to remove that patch from Taiwan. Otherwise, we're not going to carry the film. And then all of a sudden, people started noticing that the patch was back on the jacket mm. in the trailers. So maybe they decided way back then that, you know what, screw these guys. Yeah. But what a headline. Yeah. But, what a headline. That's amazing. How many, what were they expecting? The first movie. <laughs> I mean, you already had a first movie out there to understand what the movie's about. Yeah, you would think. But boy, those black market sales of that DVD uh, in China is going to be high. I'm sure They're Disney is going high. to be releasing those themselves surreptitiously because, yeah, there's going to be a billion dollars they could make off of that. It's going to be like the you know forbidden item. The let's watch this American propaganda that the government doesn't want us to see. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's an awfully strange head. Yeah. What did they expect? They wanted us to get our asses kicked in the movie. That's how it's going to end. Yeah. I kind of wonder. Chinese yeah. come and save the day. And that's the other interesting thing about the film. Um, I won't tell you too much about it. The, there's a big, big mission, a, a deadly mission where they have there's enriched enriched uranium uh in a country that is not sanctioned to do it and they need to you know go on this mission but they don't name the country and i'm thinking you know russia would have been an easy punching bag to throw a, to loop a line in and say it's russia why not just do that but no they keep the country unnamed i'm thinking are you really that weak that you're afraid you're going to piss off somebody to to, to make because how many times have there been evil Russians in movie plots in the right, last right? Well, it's a little tired decades. at this point, I would argue. We got What's that? Like, I would say the evil Russian plot is a little tired at this point. Yeah, I guess it's tired. We've gotten it about still, a thousand I mean, times. Don't get me wrong, it, it, it didn't bother me that they didn't do it. It just kind of seemed like a very little nonsensical thing in the middle of all this. Because we got to the end of screening it, and it was my wife and Mike Bryant and his wife. And it's, at that point, I came to the realization, I asked Mike, I said, did they ever say what country they were going after? Because I, I thought, well, maybe I just missed it. I, I don't know. But no, they, they don't name a country. Hmm. They kept it sanitized. <laughs> yeah, I guess it doesn't really matter what the country is. It just matters that there's a mission to be had. Yeah, and, and yeah, when somebody's uh, enriching uranium, yeah, you need to take care of it. Yes, you do. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, yeah. I, I Again, I really, I, I screened the movie about two weeks ago, and I just can't stop talking about it. It is that much fun and that exciting and, yeah, really crazy, really and crazy. And it's interesting to note, Tim, that I, I was just thinking about this. You know, most windows now before these um, theatrical movies wind up on streaming is 45 days. It's 120 with Tom Cruise, so you have 120 days before before everyone will see it on their uh, streaming devices. Yeah, and which actually adds about 90 days to what the the window was before the pandemic. It used to be about three months. So yeah, I, Tom is clearly <laughs> anticipating that this thing has legs. What I really love is that he came out in support of the theater owners. He didn't forget where he came from. He says, "You guys have supported my whole career." There is no way, there was no way that I was going to debut this thing during the pandemic on streaming. He says, I, I, I would never do yeah. that to you guys. And I love that. You know, obviously everybody is torn about this whole thing because of Cruz's dealings with Scientology and all of that. You know, I, I, I've said this on the KQ Morning Show and I've said it here too. You know, 
I got enough to worry about with my own personal, with my own backyard. I'm not going to stay up wondering at night, oh, my God, what is Tom Cruise, with, Tom Cruise doing with Scientology? I, I know. So I, I don't let that bother me as much. Now, maybe there are arguments to be had, and, and Leah Remini, God knows how vocal she's been about, you know, the religion, et cetera, et cetera. But I just, I really don't have the time or energy to worry about it, unless it directly affects me in a sort of way. I just don't have the time for it. And, and maybe Tom is, uh, Tom Cruise has re reached a point in his life where he's more ecumenical in his religious beliefs. And, you know, mm -hmm. it, may, it may be, he may not, it may not be quite as radical now that he's, he, he I believe he's reached clear status. Yeah, he's clear now. So he's clear. He's so. number two. He is number two in the religion. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, oh my I mean, God. He's reached that high. It's kind of crazy. And you know what? I think he understands, though, that he just, to sell a movie, he can't talk about it. And I think that that is the, the truth of it all. Because yeah. during his Katie Holmes days, when he was talking about it left and right and firing his publicist, that became a real, I mean, it took him a while to recover from that. Yeah. What, what, what is, do people in Hollywood, Kristen, make a big, as big a deal about it as it seems? everybody else i mean in the media i mean obviously the stories may originate from there but just you know on the ground right i mean day-to-day -day conversations whatever how big of a deal is it to people that tom cruise is a scientologist out there uh, we certainly don't talk about it in terms of oh hey you know tom cruise is a scientologist what crazy things did he say this week because he's really kind of toned all of that down however and the same, you know, aspect of all of this, it does come up in conversation because we do have a big presence with the Church of Scientology here. There have been many people who have been damaged by the church. And I, I think it's it's one of those where people have learned to have to separate the person and what they do in their private life from the artist on screen. You know, obviously the last couple of years in the entertainment industry and, and globally with the pandemic, it's great to see a really big film back out there. And Tom Cruise, if you go and work for him, everyone will tell you he's the nicest guy and treats everyone well on set. Behind the scenes, I do think that there's probably a different person who uh, works on Scientology, experiences, lives, breathes Scientology. But the public persona is what Hollywood cares about because it comes down to box office dollars. Yeah. There you have it. We need to take a quick break. Be right back. And we got another segment with Kristen Burt, Tim Lammers. What more could anyone ask for on a Tuesday? That's what I'd like to know. <laughs> oh, not, no reaction from Kristen. I like it. We'll be right back in a couple of seconds. <laughs> Dan Chesky's here from Dan's Southside Marine. It won't be long now until we start seeing boats on the water. Warmer temps and open water are coming soon, Tom. We have inventory in stock now from Alumacraft, Premier, Avalon, and Manitou with more arriving daily. What's the secret to finding a boat you're looking for this year, Dan? My recommendation is to shop now, pick a model, put your name on it. Our team of pros at Dance Outside Marine will have the knowledge and experience to get the boat you want equipped the way you want it equipped. What about financing options? Right now, we are offering low-interest financing options up to 144 months with qualified credit. Ask for details when you visit the store. Alumacraft Fishing Boats, Premier, Avalon, and Manitou Pontoons, all powered by Suzuki Outboards, are in stock now with new boats arriving daily. Dan Southside Marine is located just six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington, or shop online at dansouthsidemarine.com. 
Tom Bernard talking with Brad Huckle and Michael Bilski of North American Banking Company. We've talked a few times over the years about how North American Banking Company has helped local businesses when they're ready for expansion. We love talking about the success of our customers. One example is suburban manufacturing in Monticello. They create innovative products that produce clean, dry air that is needed during the manufacturing process. We recently helped them expand their business. Moving into a new building gave them the space they needed to add new equipment and production lines. We were able to step in quickly and provide the financing they needed when they needed it. When we help businesses like Suburban Manufacturing with their expansion, it's beneficial for our customers, but their growth also creates new jobs in our community. So they make stuff that produces clean, dry air for manufacturing after working with Bilski. Do they breathe easier with their business belt? We certainly hope so, Tommy, and that's no hot air. Nice one. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. You all have helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Kristen Lammers and Tim Burt. Isn't that your name? <laughs> yes. 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 Put our, you put our names together, Kristen. It's, it's, it's Tim Burton. We officially have a Hollywood name. It's Tim Burton. Yeah, Tim Burton. Tim Burton, I love <laughs> yeah. it. Close enough. Kristen Burt. Yeah, Kristen Burt. I like it. So, what else we got cooking? We got, no, look, you guys have been talking about movies, I understand, all the rest of it, but I got to tell you, streaming has never, ever, has made um, TV the best it's ever been. It's amazing. Don't you think? Yeah, every week. I mean, and I've said this before, it used to be that we used to wait for the fall TV schedule to come out to see the new show. Right. My God, how things have changed. Every week, we got something new from a major streamer, and it's it's terrific. And and what the great part about it is, is generally the high-profile stuff lives up to the hype, which is pretty amazing. So you have that many it, – it's competition. That's a great argument for – you know, it, it, there's a good thing when you can get the studios competing for, with one another. And it's not always studios. Obviously, it's Netflix, but now I think – They've dipped their toe in a little too far, and yeah, now it's starting yep. to bite them in the ass with the uh, the stock drop. I didn't realize that their shares in the last six months they were at a high of over seven hundred dollars a share, and now they're under two hundred. Oh, that's a big hit. That's a drop. Yeah. So, be your drop. <clears throat> but still, I mean, Netflix is still putting out some quality content. Um, but yeah, I, I it is terrific. There are just so many things to to choose from and again that's why that's another thing tom cruise you know he had to have been thinking about that he's got all the streaming competition um coming in people could have just as well stayed home last weekend and 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 caught a new compelling streaming series instead of you know going out to the box office spending well, I would imagine, what, $7 a gallon on gas, Kristen, out in L.A.? Sure. Uh, my neighborhood, it's about 6 So, Ooh. yeah. 
Which it's getting I, up there. I, I, yeah, I sit there and I think, oh, that's not that bad. Living in California, you just become absolutely numb to it all. But I drive a Prius, so it doesn't hit me as hard. I have to be honest. I got to tell you guys a great one. I was watching an old episode of Twilight Zone yesterday. It was about a woman that uh, this hitchhiker keeps trying to get her to pick him up. And he just keeps appearing and appearing. It was a very good episode. Really good. But the woman, to try to get away from the guy, pulls into a gas station. Pulls up to the pump. 27.9. 27 cents a gallon. I love it. Isn't that amazing? Oh, yeah. What year was that, though? Probably 1960, right around 1960, 1960, something like that. You know what's really funny? People were probably complaining then. It's 27 cents? (laughs) It's too much. That's 260. What's 260? With inflation. That's what do you mean? Oh, for today's dollars. Yeah. So it would be 260 rather than $7, which... Yeah, uh, 260s, I would take it. Yeah, we'd all yeah. take 260, wouldn't we? Uh, but I couldn't believe that. That's one thing about watching old television that that I I really love streaming for watching the old television because people say things that. First of all, there was a guy, and he was a black officer talking on Dragnet to uh, to Joe Friday and Harry Morgan, and this is what he said: You could you would never hear anybody say that this, these days. And they're talking to a black officer who does recruiting for new officers, right? This is from 1968. This is when the show was from. And the black officer says, we, we are encouraging people to come and join the police force. We need you. If you're Mexican, Oriental, or a Negro, we'd love to have you. Because <laughs> you don't hear Oriental ever anymore. No, no. You can't say Oriental. Nobody says Negro. But I suppose Mexican's still okay, isn't it? There you go. Mm-hmm. No, they may do well, a more Hispanic. from Mexico. Yeah. As long as they are Mexican. Yeah, instead of just Spanish. Yeah. Calling every you Spanish call person Chileans, a Mexican. Mexicans. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, I was going to say. But watching old TV, you learn a lot about how much better things have gotten than they used to be. And I know people don't want to admit that it's better than it used to be, but it's a lot better than it used and, to be. And, and to their credit, they had a they had a person of color in a management, management position in that show. Dragnet has tons. Tons of black people in management positions all the way back 55 years ago. They had tons of black people in management positions, which I thought that had to be Joe Friday. It had to be him, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Taking care of it. Uh, they, they, I, I was amazed by that, that, that you're know, looking back, uh, that they, that, you know, Jack Webb said, no, we need to include everybody. There are Spanish people, there are Asian people, there are black people. He, he included everybody. And I don't think he ever got credit for doing it. No. Not now the way that, that. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kristen. Oh no! All I said is you never hear about that, and I think, you know, it's it's interesting because it's it's so it's such a hot topic of discussion, and you sit there and think, why didn't that become the model um, all the way through the decades? Since we're still talking about diversity in yeah. representation yep. in television. No question. Well, what year was that? Because 68. obviously that 68. So yep. the one show that got all of the recognition for it, which again, I told you before, my youngest son and I are starting from the very beginning with Star, Star Trek, Trek and yep. Gene Roddenberry. Oh yeah, that's wonderful. You know, that was even as, but the interesting thing is, Tom, you know, it's 50 some years old now, even as progressive as the show was, um, there are still things in there that are really inappropriate. Oh, no doubt about it. There's you no know, question. which, you know, there's course correction along the way and you don't see it, but yeah, I think it's it is too bad that Dragnet didn't get that recognition. Whereas I Star agree, Trek did. 
Yeah, yeah, but that was the time of civil rights movement, so it was very uh, fashionable, certainly, for your show to uh, to have a mixed uh, a cast. That's true. In some way, de rigueur, so to speak. But he had people in management. Look, I mean, they did, and I never knew this, but the next episode was on April fourth, nineteen sixty-eight. And they were talking—they were talking about Martin Luther King being assassinated. So that wow. later on that week, he made an episode about Martin Luther King being assassinated, and the rioting that took place. Apparently, the lowest level of rioting in America after MLK was murdered was Los Angeles. Uh, Kristen, did you know that that Los Angeles had had uh, many fewer riots than everybody else because people were working and. And I don't know why. They didn't really say what happened, why they didn't have the rioting like they did in a lot of, you know, because even Minneapolis, uh, there were burning buildings and all the rest of it. But for some reason, Los Angeles stayed out of it. Do you know why that would be, Kristen? I don't. I've never heard that before. So I would love to know the reasoning behind it. And because obviously, you know, fast forward to what, 25 years later or so. Yeah, yeah. The L.A. riots obviously became a huge hot topic yeah but you have to understand something that's exactly the year you moved there so i think it's your fault it wasn't because i didn't move there until 2000 oh damn it i thought i could catch it just i was only (laughs) up by three years damn it i know i was like no (laughs) you were Kristen. you were a harbinger of doom yes you were i am i try my best to like cut down tom left and right But, yeah, I think a lot of these shows should get the credit for the things that they did, uh, and not because they were so wonderful, but that they did the right thing. You know, I think it's it's terrific. I really do. And I think that's why you hear so much about it today. I mean, diversity in television and films and all Mm -hmm. that sort of stuff, because obviously it is a medium that is probably the most popular form of entertainment or you know, uh, next to your your NFL, I don't know which one would be bigger because obviously the NFL is limited. You know, you only have a few months of it, whereas TV and film are around all the time. But yeah, I mean, there's a reason they report the box office figures every yeah, week. It's yeah. something that a lot of people can relate to. TV ratings, same thing. You know, a lot of people participate in it. But Tim, you, Top Gun has got to stop being so damn pro-American. Yeah, I no. know. I, I, I laughed out loud when I saw that. I thought, I what see did that. you expect? Did you I want know. an alternative cut where, you know, the, the we all got blown up in the end or something? What did you what did you expect? It, it's it's almost asinine. You, re, you read the headlines like I know they're just reporting what, you know, what's going on. But it's like, I can't believe this headline exists, but it does. Yeah. And it, it, it makes yep. us laugh. That's a good thing. It's entertaining. Well, actually, it kind of reminds me of uh, the Fight Club cut in China. Uh, oh, no. Spoiler alert for Fight Club. It's like 30 years old at this point, so whatever. Yeah, that's true. You know, so yeah, it tur- tur- turns out that the main character is, uh, what's his name, Tyler Durden? Yes. He's like the crazy guy. He's split personality. So he basically, at the end, he goes insane, and he th- I think he blows up a building. Right. Uh, because he's an anarchist. In China, they show him holding the detonator, and then it cuts to black, plain white text on a black screen, and then our brave police officers arrested Tyler, and he's now in jail, and he never blew up any buildings. The end. 
That's and unironically the, what happened in the Chinese cut because they didn't want to show an anarchist blowing up a building. So they were like, oh, by the way, he's in jail. The end. You know what, though? Even more ironic is, I'll have to look this up, but I thought the author of the original Fight Club said that that's the way the novel ended. Yeah, it is, actually. That is how the novel ended originally. The movie made him more of a maniac. So the Chinese were simply rectifying a situation yes, where... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were they right we want, situation? I mean, yeah, they we want like, the novel. We want to reflect what the novel does. I mean, they could have at least like had a voiceover. It's like, you know, it cuts to black and then you hear him getting arrested. Right. But just having text on a screen saying, by the way, this is the end. It's a little, uh, little cheap, I would say. Just a bit. Just a bit. You know, the one thing I got to say about streaming that I don't care. Well, it's not that I don't care for it, but it's just overwhelming. My God, there's a lot of murder porn on streaming. And I'm talking about American Monster and the, this yep. person killed True somebody. Crime True is crime is the coolest thing in the world right now. Oh, it's all over streaming. And I mean, it's there by the thousands. My God, they got a lot of true crime on there. See, I, think I we, love true crime. Yeah, I understand. I Everybody think we should uh, return to false crime. False crime. Yeah. Ripley's yep. Believe It or Not. It's <laughs> not true. <laughs> Never no, happened. But I think we, we made it up. about this. True crime is a white woman's genre. Yes. Oh, yes. What it is. It is. Is, it re- what? Yeah. is it really? Mm-hmm. It, it, so I promise you it is so true. It's a white woman's genre. And I don't know. I can tell you why I watch it. Uh, and I said, I think I've said this before, but I travel alone. I watch true crime. Gives me tips on like what to do, what oh, not to do. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, even really simple things like she got on an elevator alone with a gentleman and like Ooh. he followed her out and followed her to the room. So I ne- make sure that if I, I get off on the next floor so I'm not alone with someone that I don't know in an elevator. Um, but the, I think the, the real story, and this is always so interesting, is that if you look at a lot of these true crimes, they are always love triangles gone wrong and someone winds up murdering yep. the mistress or the husband or the wife. It's crazy. Well, there's a there's another true crime deal on Netflix somebody was telling me about yesterday. Relatively new, I think. I do believe it's called Our Father. And it's about um, how these women in this town, uh, or it, not just, it, it started with a woman. She discovered people around town had similar traits, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Eventually, they all trace it back to a fertility specialist who was actually... It was ah. he was responsible for, yeah. Uh, when they Spreading went to his you, seed, yes. Mm-hmm. That is, it's very Horrible. chilling. It is. Horrible. Oh my god! So that that's that's the other aspect of true crime when you see things like that, and 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 it's amazing. I did watch the trailer for it. The guy appears to be Scott Free. He's out. Didn't do any. I don't know if he did any time, but they show him today. And, you know, he's in his backyard or whatever. It's like, how how do you not put somebody in prison and, and throw away the key for something like that? So that that's another chilling true crime story that's out recently. Well, oh, that's a, well, that's an interesting, interesting thing, because no one was hurt by this. Mm. Well, I'd say the well, fathers were probably hurt. Well, the, well they, but they weren't. No, they went. You, they went there because they, they didn't have good sperm floating around. So they went there to get some good sperm that was fertile. That was fertile. But don't you think it's creepy that your doctor? Oh, it's very creepy. Mm. It's very creepy, <laughs> unethical, and he probably should be barred from practicing medicine. But it's, as long as people didn't get sick from it, he wasn't spreading. You know, I. So that's a that's that's a weird, 
Weird. Not that I'm advocating it, but it's just. What's the psychology behind that for a doctor to be doing? I mean, you know, the dark psychology of it is what I'm asking. Oh, absolutely. It's a terrible psychology. And, And that's my criticism of medical schools. They do nothing to screen people out. Nothing. You know, maybe now they're doing it, but what I remember, as long as you were living and breathing and you had really good grades, you're in. Really? Yep. They don't do any MMPI. They don't do any kind of psychological screening uh, for that. And all medicines that way. You know, they just don't. So you get all sorts of people that go off the deep end, you know. I, uh, I, it just seems there's got to be some sort of a law in the books that that takes care of a guy like this and, and really does throw the book at him. It just seems strange to me. Like you say, is, it, is there a crime being committed? I, yes, I think so. But, you know, it, it obviously it's first of all, it's not the first time it happened, I'm sure. But they need to set a precedent then. Make this guy the precedent. Make this. You think about the far reaching effects and it, and it all happens within this one city. At some point, do the children of these people meet and their first Eight? cousins and they don't know it? You know, right. th- that sort of thing. I mean, it's a far reaching uh, consequences for this sort of thing. I, they're just it's wrong. It needs to oh, be yeah, ab- absolute, criminalized. Absolutely. I mean, if it's known, that, that's one thing, but it was just no one was told. And then certainly and they're not. And that's not first cousins. It's uh, half brothers, half sisters. Mm. Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. You know, and what's interesting, too, with the wave of true crime being so popular, it it has brought a lot of what I think is interesting is that it's brought a lot of attention to cases. And sometimes police departments will go back and reinvestigate or new clues come up. Maybe new laws are written. And that's what I think is kind of interesting with everyone enjoying true crime dramas and documentaries. Well, I think, now why do you think it is that, that and because Alex did agree with you 100%, that women love that true crime? Why, why is that? Tricks on how to get away from murderers, or what is it? Well, for me, it is. That, that's how I originally, when I would travel right? alone, I would watch like Dateline nonstop because it runs, you know, back to back to back late at night if I couldn't mm-hmm. sleep. And I would watch it and just be fascinated. I'd be like, well, this is a really good tip. Don't do this. Like, don't do that. Like, I would take notes. And then you just become completely enveloped into the stories and you think are people's lives like so bad that they have to take this love triangle which is bad to begin with but in such a dark direction that the only way out is by murdering one of the people and getting them out of the equation it's to me the psychology of it is so fascinating well i think too maybe it's maybe it's something to be said about confronting your fears yeah, um, true. By watching this sort of thing, you know, you can feel like, okay, now I can, like Kristen, you like you say, I mean, it it maybe is supplied with supplied you with some tips. It sort of tips the balance of the scale into your favor, and you're being proactive and you're confronting this sort of thing that people don't generally want to think about, and uh, all of a sudden it's like you're the better for it because now you're more aware and you can av- avoid these sorts of situations that you might be vulnerable in otherwise. Well, and like, as a woman, you, I mean, I don't even know how many times a day I think about certain things like, oh, that looks like a person I don't want to get in an elevator with. Oh, this person, you know, just like stuff like that. 
looking at the back in the back of your car before you go anywhere too close to you on the sidewalk even in daylight and like i go running and stuff and the other day dan was like oh you should because we behind our house we have paved trails where there's more people because there's people walking their dogs there's people biking stuff like that and then there's wooded trails that are mulch and there's not nearly as many people on them and so they're really i mean but they're beautiful and he was like oh you should go on the mulch trails and i'm like i just i run with our dogs but i'm like i just don't like going back there i wish i did but there's and he's like well there's hardly any people back there and i'm like that's the problem though right because if i like running in a place where i see you know a person every couple minutes rather than like one person in my whole walk because it's like if something happened then if a turkey came after you yeah, what exactly. Yeah, it's breeding season turkeys. for turkeys. Yeah, they'll come They're after. Dangerous. You. But it's yeah, I think kind of what Tim said, it's like and getting inside the head a little bit of people that you're always concerned with being like you know, you're always trying to avoid a certain type of person as a woman. And you're always afraid of coming in contact with a certain type of person and so listening to these true crime things, I think it takes a little bit of the you know unknown out of it maybe for some people because they're like oh i can understand not understand but know more of why these people do these things rather than just like random scary person bad well how about yeah well then of course uh netflix they also have the the Ted Bundy tapes, right, the John Wayne right. Gacy tapes. Yeah, those are too damn chilling to watch. Well, I that's agree. I couldn't do those. Right. I did the one that Zac Efron played Ted Bundy. Yeah, yeah, yeah I saw that. I saw that. Which... My niece went to um, Florida State and was a member of that sorority and lived in that house, which still exists. Oh. What sorority? She lived what in, there's two homes now, like, the, but the original standing home where the women were murdered is still used as a dorm room which is unbelievable to me my niece lived in the back new house or whatever but i thought how does that still exist in 2022 he murdered people in a sorority i don't know if i have no idea what you're talking about i don't know this story ted bundy no it wasn't ted bundy it was richard uh richard what was his last name ramirez the night no, it wasn't the night star. It was Richard. He was the one who had Born to Raise Hell tattooed on his arm. Kristen knows. Uh, Ted Bundy, sorority house, yeah, on Florida State University. Yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah what because he, he went after many, sorority Chi Omega. Chi Omega was the sorority oh, okay. house. How many That's people did he kill? Huh. I think there was three women um, okay. in the house. He murdered, so he sexually assaulted and murdered two women in the Chi Omega Jesus. sorority house. They never knocked down that house. It was in nineteen. That's really weird. Yeah, I agree. That's extremely And then I think two women also survived. He attacked one of them and her roommate. And and then he went down the street and attacked somebody else. I mean, so we got five women on the campus. Jeez. Well, that's so the thing with Ted Bundy. It's like you can't even keep track of how many people right, he right. assaulted and killed. <clears throat> well, he was, like, I, he's yeah, we know of. So many people. Well, and at the end of his life i know somebody that i know listened to the ted bundy tapes and he was like would change constantly saying how many people he killed he'd be like 400 yeah. 85 yeah. 62 3000 yeah, you know psychopath. just like you can't even no. ask him because he's just gonna lie. he doesn't even know no so 
So, Kristen, are you saying somebody to this day, the, the, the actual room that one of these, or if he killed more than one, maybe there are rooms. People actually stay in those rooms still today. Yes. And I was like, how? And I know that they changed it up. And, but I go, how did Florida State allow that house to stay up? Like, why didn't they yeah. knock it down, build a new house, change the karma, all of that? Yeah. But And when they were filming, my niece was at Florida State when they were filming the Zac Efron movie. And... I know that they gave them kind of all media tips saying, you know, hey, if you're asked about this by press or anything, you know, these are the steps you take. This is who you direct the conversation to because they had an official spokesperson because they were concerned that if the movie had been a huge hit, I don't really think it was, but mm -hmm. I think they were concerned that it would create a whole new buzz around the sorority. Oh, yeah. And why the house is still standing. Yeah. The That's movie really wasn't a hit. It was actually an independent film that, I think it was released on Netflix. I, I, was was saying, Netflix I think I watched it on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the hope is, you know, with these, these uh, festivals is that somebody's going to pick it up for theatrical distribution. And it went on Netflix. And, and honestly, I mean, the first thing that's creepy is that I think Zac Efron is perfect for this role. I, I hate to say it, but he, he really, he's great. And, and so is, um, Lily Collins. Oh yeah, she did plays. a great job. Yeah. So good. Yeah, I mean it's it's a very interesting film, and Haley Joel Osment is also in it. it. It's an interesting film, um, and I can see why they were pushing it for a theatrical release because I I, I do think that you know Zach Efron he gets the knock for being the high school musical kid. Well, if you saw The Greatest Showman, the guy can act. He can, he can sing. He can act, yeah. and he was really good. Well, scary good in this movie. It's like, oh my god, he, this is. But just as Ted Bundy was handsome, yes. but dark. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. He he was the charming guy that he was flirting. At least in this movie, he was flirting with women in the courtroom. And there were fans. There were what do you oh, call them? God. What do you call groupies? Uh, groupies yep. That would come to the trial because they were obsessed with Ted Bundy. Now, you get that all the time still with notorious criminals in prison where they're getting letters and... Menendez and, brothers. Yeah, Getting exactly. married uh, in prison and stuff. Scott Peterson, you know, is that Scott? Married. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's actually one of the diagnostic criteria for psychopathy is it's called superficial charm. Basically, they're very good at charming people. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. All right, we got to wrap it up. You guys did a hell of a job. I thought you you two should work together more often. Mm. We well, should. Doc, it was nice. I enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you, Kristen. Nice to meet you. And Andy, yes, make more doctor's appointments so Kristen and I can. <laughs> I mean, hey, we can make Tim it a regular and thing. Kristen Burt, a.k.a. Tim Burton, can come mm -hmm. back on to the yeah, show. Tim Burton, I love it. Yeah. Our Hollywood name. <laughs> All right, have a magnificent day. That's going to do it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Andy's got a doctor's appointment, so we've got to get out of here early today. But thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow with the family on the Tom Bernard Podcast. <laughs>